Hi, this is Vinny DeRosa, and you're listening to me, Cousin Vinny, on the CousinVinnyNetwork.com. That's C-U-Z-I-N-V-I-N-N-I-E Network.com. I'm going to be sharing a few topics that I know a lot about, and some not so much. I've traveled and lived throughout the state of Florida since 1968, and I've been to places and seen things the last 50 years you wouldn't believe that existed. I won't sugarcoat my comments. I've been told that I'm not very politically correct, so if you have a question, drop us a line on our Facebook page at Cousin Vinny Network, or call me at 888-738-7381. Again, my number is 888-738-7381, and be sure to share our podcast. Please take time to visit our sponsors at CousinVinnyNetwork.com. Without them, this network would not be possible. That's C-U-Z-I-N-V-I-N-N-I-E Network.com. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Cousin Vinny, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. And today is, I don't know, Thursday maybe, everything real estate. So if you listened to my previous episode last Thursday, we talked about uh, the early days of me in real estate. Now I'm going to pick it up where I left it off. Um, Moving to Gainesville in 1980, after living in Chris River for many years and decided to, you know, go to a little bit bigger town. So I made a move to Gainesville and uh, um, I was a real estate sales associate there at the time. And uh, I was working with a Century 21 real estate company through a mutual friend, introduced me to the broker there and had the opportunity to, you know, learn their processes and, and see how things worked. And decided that it was okay, but I really, really wasn't crazy about doing the real estate side of it at that point. So we're going to talk about some other things in real estate, the opportunities that I had. One of the first things uh, we did, my brother moved up there too, and I did. He first moved up, then I went up. We bought a house out in Santa Fe or the hills of Santa Fe, just outside of Gainesville by the mall area because it was cheaper. My parents bought a home instead of renting a home. So we decided to do um, some network marketing uh, at the time. Back then, Amway was the big uh, kahuna in the room. It was the major player. Worked it for you know a couple of months. Uh, just really wasn't my shtick. Uh, real estate was always been it. So we uh, started looking at some opportunities and came across a restaurant and nightclub that was for sale, and it was called the Sea Fox. It was on Southwest 13th Street, uh, not too far from Bivens Lake, a little bit north of it on the... Uh, west side of the highway. So it was called Sea Fox, and they had a, a restaurant in Gainesville and they had a restaurant in Tallahassee. So uh, uh, approached the owners and said, we might be interested. Mom and dad said, well, let's take a look and see if, you know, if it's feasible, if it's you know, doable, uh, we could, you know, maybe purchase the thing. So uh, we met with the, the owner and Sea uh, Fox was part of the Foxfire chain, which was out of Ocala. They had one in Ocala, I think, Lakeland, and someplace else. So they divided it up into two different quadrants. So the Sea Fox was for sale in Gainesville and Tallahassee, like I said. And um, great entertainment, great food. Place was always busy. Same with the one in Tallahassee. So uh, I started hanging out in the in the Gainesville one to kind of get a sense of you know what was going on there. 
trying to make some decisions. And my brother and I were both in there at the same time working it to see, you know, what we wanted to do and which store, what I would take and which one he would take. The decision was that I was going to take the Tallahassee store because I lived up there before. Really not crazy about going back to Tallahassee, but the opportunity to take on this restaurant was kind of a challenge. So why am I talking about this? Well, it's real estate related. And if, if any of you ever have a client, maybe some of the techniques and, and, and things that I used will help you. So Gainesville, Tallahassee. And before I even went in and introduced myself to the manager of the Tallahassee store, I hung out in the bar, had a couple of drinks, had some dinners, and then I would sit in the parking lot. I know that sounds a little weird, uh, but I'd watch the back door and watch things come out the back door and go into someone's car. So I let that go, uh, went into the restaurant, introduced myself a couple days later, told them that we were purchasing that store and the one in Gainesville. Uh, we went through the entire place, made it a, a list of inventory of things that needed to be addressed and taken care of prior to the closing. It needed a new dishwasher and a couple of other major components. So part of that was part of the negotiations. You know, you go into these things not blind sometimes. Part of it was to decide, you know, here is the price they wanted for the two places. I, I Again, it, it leaves me now, but it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, that they wanted for the, the two restaurants. It was almost almost a million dollars for the two of them. I mean, you're talking big bucks in the 1980s. And they had accounts payable that they ran on a 30, 60, or 90-day rotation with the different vendors. And, you know, they were at about $150,000, $200,000 between the two restaurants, which was pretty steep dollars at that time. So, you know, meeting the management, trying to find out what the pluses and minuses were. What could we do with the restaurant in Tallahassee? What could we do with the restaurant in, 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 in Gainesville? Both restaurants had, you know, top-notch entertainment. So I started meeting with the, uh, the uh, booking agencies to talk about bookings and who could we bring in, you know, to make the place really exciting and fun. So we come to a number and there was going to be X amount of dollars being put down. I think it was like $250,000, you know, cash down, owner finance, yada, yada, yada. Great. So a couple of days before the closing, I had our attorney do a check on the accounts as to what was outstanding that we were going to be liable for the day of the closing. And lo and behold, it wasn't 200000 It was more like four plus 100000 Come to find out that they were uh, cooking the books, putting charges against from the other restaurants to this bills. And I confronted them and said, look, you know, you lied to us, man. You told us, you know, these are the numbers. This is what we were going to be responsible for, which we were willing to take on in, in lieu of giving you a bunch of cash up front. We liked all the terms and conditions on the purchase. They were suitable for us and suitable for you. We could afford the debt load, but you lied. So I said to my parents, we had a little meeting and said, you know what? We need to walk away from this because I think in the end, it's going to be a major, major mess. Well, lo and behold, we did walk. They got all crazy about it, but you know, uh, we had a pretty solid contract, so we walked. And unfortunately, when we walked away from it, some other poor sucker went in and bought it. I stopped in to see him, and I said, hey, you know, how things going, yada, yada, yada. And I said to him, I said, you know, did you pick up the accounts? Oh, yeah. I said, did you do an audit prior to closing on the accounts? Oh, yeah. I said, what was the amount that they told you that was due? And he said, about 200000 I said, surprise. 
He lasted about three months and the doors were locked and he was gone. Again, a lesson that I've learned. And part of it came from, you know, taking some classes in real estate exchanging, learning the art of exchanging properties and doing 1031s and doing investments. And again, you don't get these things in a book. You you go to meetings and seminars. And I, I was taught by some of the best in the, in the state of Florida at the time on 1031 exchanges. And I was proposing and all these things that I was getting ready to do. And a lot of them said, yeah, you need to look for this. You need to look for that. You need to look for these other things. So that was the first parlay into a restaurant in Gainesville. Well, that didn't quite work out well. So I'm still looking, looking. And I said, you know, let's see if there's some other things here to do. So my brother and I would go out in the evenings and, and look at the different nightclubs and, and entities out there that were promoting, you know, dancing and, and fun. And this is the 1980s. And uh, uh, there were three other clubs in town that were called bottle clubs. You could bring your own booze and you could pour your own and, and, and they would say the mixers. And there was one called the Melody Club, one called the Spectrum, and the third one was kind of a country western style bottle club. All three of them were not, um, let's say, highly suitable for people to go to it if you were not in that genre. They weren't very inviting or friendly. They, they were pretty much pigeonholed to the type of people that were going there. It's just craziness. So I said to my brother, I said, I don't know about this. So again, just not too far from the restaurants that we didn't purchase, on Southwest 13th Street, there was a building on Lake Biven, and it was called Rio Bravo, and this was like in May, June, and um, it was a teen disco when that was the hot thing to do. So teen disco went in, place was, was you know, done well. They, they spent some money on the inside putting in a raised lit dance floor and the lights above and a pretty good sound system. And it was a teen disco. And I approached the guys and said, how you doing? Great. You know, you thinking about selling this thing? Oh, no, no, no. We're doing great. You know, the place was slamming. Again, this is summer months. Kids are out of school and they got nothing else to do. So I let it go. A couple of months later, I come back and I said, you interested in selling? No, 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 no. We're doing great. This was like in August. So I said to my brother, come school. They are going to die. Well, come September, they died. And I approached them. We bought it in September. We took over their lease, gave them a few bucks. They walked away from it. And we took it up and we renamed it, rebranded it late night. And like I've said in the past, gosh, I wish I'd have copyrighted that, that name back then. So we ended up calling it late night. It was an after hours bottle club. And what we did was we wanted to enhance its presence. So there was a local TV broadcaster. Her name was Kim Edstrom. I think she was. Her name was. And she came in and did a commercial for us. So we did a TV commercial announcing late night and the kind of club it was going to be so that people would feel comfortable coming there and not feeling like that, you know, it's a biker bar or whatever, country western or whatever it might have been. It wouldn't scare them away. And we would explain to them that, you know, you could bring your own alcohol and that we were open from nine o'clock at night till whenever we got tired in the morning. Again, Going outside the box, not serving the alcohol. Why not serving the alcohol? Well, after my experience with the two nightclubs in Gainesville and Tallahassee and seeing all the theft, I go, shit, look how much money's going out the door and the owner's not getting because the bartenders are giving away free drinks. And, you know, some people are going to go, oh, you're back. Not every person who's in a server position does that. There are a few who abuse the systems. I have no problem with servers giving away free stuff. 
Well, ask me, hey, Vin, we got a customer here that's been coming here all the time. Can we give them a bottle of wine? Sure. Can we give them a drink? Sure. But don't make it a habit. And I don't want to see you sitting at the bar drinking with them. So late night became the place to be. Uh, not. It took us a while. Uh, we started, you know, gaining some momentum in, in September. And then October came and Halloween hit. And for some reason, the switch got turned on or something got out there that this was the place to be for Halloween. And it was the funkiest night I've ever seen. Uh, people came in all dressed up and crazy and wearing crazy outfits. And it was, it was pretty cool. I remember one young lady walked in and she was wearing saran wrap. I'm going, what a costume. Anyway, so the club went well. We served oysters, which was kind of unique, and, and caviar. So we kept the menu simple. Uh, you brought in your booze, you bought mixers, you brought in your beer, we gave you a bucket of ice. If you wanted uh, your wine, we'd cork it, and we'd give you glasses. So it was a very simple process, late night. Problem we had was parking, and it was a major issue for us. We just ran out of parking space. So we um, bought the restaurant next door, which was an Italian restaurant, and the idea was that my brother wanted to do the restaurant because that's his favorite thing. He wanted to do the restaurant side because he didn't do the deli with me when I was a kid. And I said, I'll keep the club. Well, he went to the restaurant and really didn't like it that much. So he convinced mom and dad that he should have the nightclub, which is the one thing I came up with. And I got stuck at the restaurant. Now, that was another issue and a half of getting into food. And I'm going to say this probably, I don't know how many times, but I'd rather eat in a restaurant than own one. Unless you're married to it seven days a week, which we were, uh, you have no life. And if you've ever owned a restaurant or have friends who owned restaurants, you know what I'm talking about. So we ended up putting an offer in to buy the restaurant so we could have parking next to our nightclub because it joined it. I asked the owner to hire me as a dishwasher so that I could, I don't know, canvas what was going on in the back room and at the counter and in the kitchen and, you know, everything else. So I, you know, put on some crappy ass clothes, go to work every day, washing dishes. This went on for about three weeks or so, working in the kitchen, working on the line, out front, just basically watching the entire operation. And then each evening when the restaurant would shut down, everyone would sit around the bar drinking, you know, some drinks, which is no, not, nothing unusual in, in, in that type of an atmosphere, but no one was throwing any money in the till. And I'd say, geez, you know, here you are, you know, drinking and, and eating food and you're not throwing any money into the till. They go, oh, now don't worry about it. The old man doesn't care. Well, that kind of bothered me, and I um, noted that. And the day we closed, I walked up to the manager, and I said, I'm sorry, but you're fired. Your services are no longer needed. And he goes, well, you're just a dishwasher. I said, no, we just bought it. Please leave now. So he got fired, and a bunch of servers got fired. They started picketing us. And it became a real nightmare uh, trying to, you know, regain footage uh, because of the bad publicity. Lasted about nine months. And that's when I told my parents, let's pull a plug on this thing. So we pulled a plug on it, handed the keys back to the bank and said, Merry Christmas. And we were done. So that was the end of that little episode with restaurants and nightclubs. Well, not really because... My brother convinced my dad to go down the road, and we found another building, and we made it late night number two on Southwest 13th Street, not too far from where we were. The building was available for, for sale. There was a vacant lot next to it that we needed to have for parking because the building didn't have enough parking. Bought that, 
and and opened it up again and cranked that thing like crazy. It was a bigger facility, fancier, nicer place went like gangbusters. I mean, just went nuts. I mean, completely nuts. It was it was the place in Gainesville. I mean, we had the biggest dance floor in town. Actually, ironically, Reese Elliott, who was the DJ that I hired from late night number one, who came in and, and auditioned, are still friends with me today. I just sent him a little text a couple of weeks ago for his birthday. So, you know, it's longtime relationships. But Reese came in as my DJ. I had the experience in radio. So, you know, we, we had a pretty good uh, blend. And we were the first ones to bring in videos at late night, too. MTV was just starting, and the Michael Jackson video thriller was the big one. And we had a big screen that we dropped the screen down and put on the video, and people weren't even dancing to it. They would just sit there and watch it. So it was another adventure. Again, uh, late night number two was, again, another bottle club. Did really well. And in the middle of all of this, you know, I got married. And uh, I get into that in the next pay, next phase of, of, of fun stuff in the, in, the, in, the, in the later 80s. But, you know, from about 80 to 81, 82, uh, we were doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Gainesville with the, the late night and the restaurants. So my experience in restaurants and nightclubs are, are been vast. Would I ever do it again? No. It, it's a lot of work, a lot of hours, and a lot of dedication. And if, if it's not your passion, that's not what you're going to do. And again, it all came back to real estate. We bought it as investments, but I did learn the different functions and, and features of every business that we've been involved with, from the delicatessens to the nightclubs to the restaurants. Uh, you know, you learn little bits and pieces that when I go places, I can help evaluate for a potential, you know, client. So I'm going to leave it at that with late night number two. That was, um, you know, pretty much the beginning of the end for me in Gainesville. Again, I had gotten married and uh, things just got a little crazy because of the family dynamics. And I'll leave it at that. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.